Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, I have a question for you this morning. What do you tell yourself that you cannot do? Studies tell us that there is an internal dialogue that goes on inside all of us, and usually it's negative. And actually, it kind of prevents us from attempting to try something. So my question is, if you had an I can't statement in your head, what would it be? Some common I can't statements go something like this. I can't achieve my goal. I can't get a new job. I can't get into shape. I can't learn a new skill. I can't find love. I can't get stronger. I can't make new friends. I can't go back to school. I can't organize my life. Or maybe this one, I can't be early. What if I told you that there's a secret to getting past these negative mindsets that can freeze us from progress in our lives? That's our goal today. We want to get past the I can't zone into the world of I can. Now, I grew up in a very small church where I had the same Sunday school teacher from kindergarten to grade five. Just think about that for a second. Kindergarten to grade five. Her name was Mrs. Gert Weens. She was in her late 50s, early 60s. She didn't really tell us. She was the picture of dedication. She faithfully taught us God's word every single week. I often think back to what a saint she must have been like wrangling this group of country kids into church on a Sunday and helping us learn that Jesus loves us. You see, because of her commitment all of those years showing up in the classroom, most of us that were in her class are actually followers of Jesus today. In fact, the reason that I'm able to stand up here and teach you is the fact that Mrs. Gert Weens poured into my life. And that thought alone as I was thinking about it this week, caused me to wonder about our future pastors, our future worship leaders, our first future board members, our future elders, our future teachers, our future production team that's currently sitting just down the hall in our next-gen programming. And I wonder who God might call out of all of us adults who get to sit here in this room to go and pour in their lives and invest in their lives so that they might be able to teach us one day. Just something to think about. If you would say, you know what, I want to invest in the next generation, I think Pastor Steph and her team would love to hear from you. I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, each Sunday, Mrs. Weens would start her lesson the very same way. We would walk into her classroom and she would have the word can't written on the board. Every single, every single week for six years, every Sunday, it said, I can't. And then she would choose a helper, a very special helper that day, that would be able to get up on the board and we would erase the apostrophe and the T as she would passionately encourage us, children, do not believe the lie that you can't. You can do anything because Jesus will help you. You see, Philippians 4.13 was Mrs. Gertween's favorite verse, and it goes something like this. I can, 
do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you know it. It's also the bookmarked passage that we are going to be looking at today. Now, I was going to say before I tell you what pastor on staff, but Pastor Keith gave you a little bit of a tidbit of information. So somebody on staff chose this verse as their bookmarked passage, and we're going to hear from them in just a bit. But before we do, I thought maybe we'd take a look at what the book of Philippians. Like what was happening in the book of Philippians? Why do we all love this verse so much? For God, or not for God to love the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, this book is found in the New Testament. It's the second half of the Bible. And it's actually one of four of what they call the prison letters. And they're simply called this because Paul wrote these letters when he was in prison in Rome. Now you can see on this map, there's Rome right there. That's where Paul was. He was in prison. He wrote a whole bunch of letters. Some of them were when he was in prison. Some of them were when he was not. The four letters that he wrote in prison were these ones. The first was Colossians. Colossians is a letter that was written to a church plant in the, in the city of Colossae, and they were struggling a bit. They were struggling because some false teaching had ended up coming into their church, and so Paul was writing to them to correct some of this false teaching and help them get back on the path of right teaching. The second letter that Paul wrote in prison when he was in Rome was actually Philemon. And Philemon was a letter that Paul wrote to his friend named Philemon. Now, he also lived over here in Colossae. And uh, so, so Paul was writing to Philemon, and he was actually writing to him because there was a social justice issue that was going on in that day. And so Paul was writing to him to talk about the social justice issue. The third letter that Paul wrote from prison was Ephesians. And we've talked about Ephesians before. Ephesians is a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus. That was the church that Paul himself had planted. And in Ephesians, Paul is encouraging the followers in Ephesus to continue to follow Jesus even though they still live in a corrupt city. In this letter, Paul is encouraging them that you can live in the world but not be of the world. So we have those three letters, and the fourth one finally is Philippians. It's the one we're going to look at today. This letter is written to a church in Philippi. And now this church, Paul had a really great relationship with. Uh, as you read the letter, you would note that if you looked at all four of those letters, this letter is the most warm. It's the most personable. You can hear Paul's heart shine through in the letter of Philippians. See, instead of addressing any significant issues to them, all Paul is doing is he's encouraging them and he's supporting them. And the reason for that, the reason he doesn't have to deal with any significant issues is because this church is extremely healthy. You see, from the day it was planted, this church has always remained faithful to Jesus. It has continually modeled health and modeled generosity to all the regions around it. And we read actually that throughout the scripture that this church has actually generously supported Paul throughout all of his missionary journeys, uh, backing him up with finances and with prayers. You see, healthy, generous churches like this one in Philippi are exactly how God has done the work of spreading the gospel around the whole world. And I'm so thankful that One Church CO is one of these types of church communities, faithfully, generously supporting the work that God is doing all over the world by investing in what we call global workers. Now, did you know that as of July 1st, when we switched to our one fund, modeled and, one fund model and introduced it, did you know that 
of your giving, every dollar goes towards the support of our global focus workers and outreach ministries. That means that 22 cents of every dollar that you give here at One Church Geo goes directly to support the work that God is doing outside of these walls. Supporting the work in places like Laos, Cambodia, Guatemala, Malawi, Rwanda, and so many other places around the world, including many restricted access nations that I can't even tell you about. We are so thankful for what God is doing all around the world because of the generous donations here at One Church Geo. And if you want to find out more about our global workers, you can actually go on our website. You can read. We have a list of our global workers, the ones that we're able to tell you about. We're just so thankful for what God continues to do. Being generous so that the whole world might know who Jesus is is something that One Church Geo has always done and we are always committed to do, just like this church in Philippi was. Now, Paul starts off this letter to the Philippians by thanking them for sending him money as he still has been on this journey. And even though he's still in prison right now, they've continued to fund him so that the work of spreading the gospel hasn't stopped yet. This is what he writes at the beginning of the letter. He says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. You see, as he opens up this letter, it's very evident that this group is very special to Paul. They've continually supported him. They've continually encouraged him. And so this letter is meant to be seen in the very same light, encouraging and supporting. So we're going to look at today's passage. It's actually not this one. It's at the end of Philippians. It's at the end of the letter. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. Keep in mind, this is Paul writing to his friends and his family back in Philippi, those who have been supporting him, those who have been loving him, those who have been praying for him. He's in jail right now. And he's writing to them to encourage them. Let's see what he says at the end of his letter. He says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me, and everything you saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Think about what an encouraging note that would have been to receive for that Philippian church from their friend Paul. They were likely worried I'm sure they were praying for him. They didn't have a lot of contact. There were no smartphones. There was no like WhatsApp. They couldn't check in on Instagram or the new threads. They had no ability to hear what Paul was feeling or how he was doing until he sent them a letter. 
Imagine, it must have been like taking a breath after holding your breath for such a long time. They knew that Paul was okay. He was encouraging them. God was still faithful, even though his circumstances were less than ideal. I'm sure they felt really encouraged. You know what else I think they felt? I think they probably felt challenged. Because if Paul could write these words while sitting in a jail cell, certainly they could probably try to live them out in their lives. And so there's four main points in this passage that I wanted to highlight for you today that I think the Philippian church would have seen, but also I think are really beneficial and good for us to see this morning. The first is this. Learn to live in joy by recognizing that this life is temporary. See, Paul's sitting in a jail cell, and he's reminding his friends, rejoice, be glad, don't be fearful, don't be scared, instead rejoice, because people are watching, he says, and the Lord is coming back soon. See, always at the forefront of Paul's mind is the fact that this life is temporary, that this is a world that we are passing through on the way to our eternal destination in heaven. And he says that this truth should impact how we live our lives. See, our hands should stay loose on the things that will not come with us to eternity. Our hands should stay very loose on the things that do not come with us to eternity. Paul wants his friends to remember that our present circumstances are not forever. We will not take our present hardships with us to heaven. Anyone say amen to that? We will not take what we're going through right now. This will end and we will go and our problems will not. See, Paul knows that he will not always be imprisoned in a jail cell. There will come a time, whether it happens here or something supernatural happens, where those shackles on Paul's hands will release and he will be free. But if he chooses joy, despite his circumstances, then he can be reminded that there's eternal things ahead of him. And he says that when we choose joy, despite what we're going through on this earth, our life then can become a light for other people around us. See, when we walk through difficulties without losing our joy, people then notice that there's something different about us. And when they notice there's something different about us, that's when their eyes are able to turn to the one we follow. The second thing that Paul encourages his friends to do is to learn to combat worry by praying about everything. Don't worry about anything, Paul encourages them. You know that thing that you're holding right now in your mind? You're like, yeah, Pastor Jessica, but this you don't understand because I need to worry a lot about this. Paul is saying, don't worry about that. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then he says, make sure you thank him for what he has already done. Now, this is a hard one especially if you are a worrier. A few years ago, I learned about a term that gave definition to something that I have struggled with probably my entire life. And it's the word anticipatory anxiety. In its simple definition, anticipatory anxiety is excessive worry, fear, or dread about a future that has not happened yet. See, if you're anything like me, you're probably prone to worry. As humans, we kind of become experts in anticipating the worst without even having any facts to back up the fact that that might happen. This is what Paul is telling his friends to avoid. Stop worrying about the details that you cannot control about the future. That likely, probably, maybe, won't even 
happen. And instead of worrying, he says, replace it with prayer. Replace your constant spiraling thoughts with constant communication to the one who actually can solve your problems. This is something that he wants his friends to avoid. He wants them to have constant communication with God instead of worrying about what they cannot control. Oftentimes, I think we think of prayer in the very strictest of forms, at a set time, in a set place, with a set purpose. So we pray before our meals to thank God for our food. We pray when we wake up to invite him into our day. We pray before we go to bed, asking him to help us rest, help us not think about things, help our body to rejuvenate. But Paul is reminding us that our prayer life can actually be a constant communication with God. That instead of only praying at certain times, we can talk to God anytime. See, I can talk to God when I'm making lunches and I'm so frustrated at my kids because they haven't cleaned their disgusting lunch boxes again. I can pray. I can pray to God when I'm commuting to work and I'm worried about a meeting that's going to come up that I know that's going to be difficult. I can pray. I can talk to God when I'm out in nature, exercising, relieving stress, enjoying the surroundings around me. I can pray and I can thank him. See, friends, because it's in the everyday moments of life that we tend to stress, we tend to have this anticipatory anxiety, it should be in the everyday moments of life that we're going to talk to God, not just those set times. Paul is teaching his friends that this is how you guard your minds and your hearts. Because when we pray, prayer is simply admitting that I don't understand everything. And that's okay. Sometimes we become experts in so many things of our lives that it's hard for us to admit, I don't understand why I'm going through this right now. I don't understand why this is looming in the future and I'm going to have to deal with it. Prayer is actually admitting, you know what? I don't understand everything and that's okay. And Paul says when we pray continually, when we learn to just go to God instead of letting our thoughts spiral out of control, we will experience God's peace and that's what guards our hearts and minds, right? See, prayer is such, a practice, such an important practice for a follower of Jesus because it protects us from our human tendency of trying to know everything. And instead, it replaces that problem with peace because God knows everything, past, present, and future. It means that I don't have to. Then after telling his friends not to worry, Paul encourages his friends Learn to dwell in peace by focusing on things that bring us life. What does Paul say? He says, fix your mind on things that are true, noble, honorable, right, holy, pure. Think about things that are excellent. This is a theme that Paul writes throughout all of his letters, the prison letters and the other letters he writes as well. He says, fill your mind with things that are life-giving, things that are going to bring good things into your life. Friends, the world will give you bad news 24-7 if you allow it. Just open up your phone, open up social media, turn on the TV. You will be fed a diet of gloom and doom. And that, Paul says, can rob us of our peace. But we have a choice. We can live in peace. The Bible says we can actually dwell in peace. We can live inside peace when we choose to fill our lives with things that foster life and bring life and peace into our hearts. When I was learning to drive a car, my instructor was adamant 
that I keep my eyes on the road and not on the steering wheel or the gadgets or that rear view mirror. I remember constantly hours of lessons as I was driving with him. He was frustrated. Like, I was a teenage girl and I had so many important things to be like, as soon as I got my license, I had friends that I was going to drive around and I was checking the mirror because I knew there was guys. Like, I was into everything else but the road. And my driving instructor constantly was like, Jessica, eyes on the road. Look where you are going. We used the same principle when we taught our kids to ride their bikes. I remember running beside them. Eyes on the road, eyes up, look where you are going. Why? Because this is the same principle that Paul was using to encourage his friends. Think about the things that are good and honorable and right and true, and you're going to end up living that type of life. Just ask anyone who has devastated their life by making a wrong choice. Nine times out of 10, Wrong choices begin with uncontrolled thoughts, which is why Paul is encouraging his friends to focus on life-giving things, to kind of put a, a guard on their mind and make sure that they can live and dwell in peace. Keep your mind focused on where you actually want to go and you will arrive at that destination. And then finally, Paul gives his friends one more encouraging thought. And he says this, Learn to be content by recognizing that we can do everything because God gives us what we need. Let's remember, Paul is sitting in jail and he is telling them that I have found the secret to living a content life. Whether you have everything or absolutely nothing at all. And it's simply realizing that what we need actually comes from God and not from us. By recognizing that it is not up to me to provide for the things that I need. I can be confident that I will have whatever I need in the moment or season that I'm in simply because God promises to provide me with what I need. Oftentimes we face situations in life where we feel so much pressure to figure out a plan. I don't have a job. I can't find anybody that I want to be with. I need a car. I need to get into this school. There's so much pressure that we place on ourselves. But the truth is that it's not until we recognize that everything that sits in my hands or everything that will ever be inside of my hands, including my job, my mind, my strength, my opportunities, my money, everything comes as a gift from God. He provides me with what I need, which is the secret to changing I can't from I can. Recognizing that God provides everything that I need, we can then look fear in the face and say, I can, simply because he can. See, Philippians 4 is an incredible reminder for us, as it would have been for the church in Philippi, that we can live in joy. We can go to God and pray about everything that we're going through. We can be content not knowing everything because we can trust that God will provide what I need when I need it. Now, this passage, though I love it, though I grew up on it, is not my favorite passage. In fact, it was bookmarked in Pastor Stephen's Bible because it's been a passage that has led him through some very difficult moments. But instead of me telling you about that, let's, him, let's let him tell us today. Well, Pastor Stephen, Philippians 4 is actually the passage that's bookmarked in your Bible. And I'm wondering, can you start by telling us when's the first time you bookmarked that passage in your Bible? Yeah, of course. 
Philippians 4 for me started when I was five years old. Wow. Uh, my dad came and see me when I was in my room. I think I had a, a bad day or something was going on at school. I can't remember the context behind it. But he pulled out this Bible here. This is my original wow. real Bible, King James, I got for my fifth birthday. I remember him opening this up, turning to Philippians 4, and actually highlighting that passage in there, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm. And again, I say rejoice. He emphasized the again, I say rejoice. So for whatever situation that was, that meant so much to me at that time in my life. It wasn't the first scripture I'd memorized. That was probably a John 3.16. But this is one that really hit home with me. And as we move later on in this chapter, those verses really mesh together well. They just, mm. they just they just really sit with me. So that's my that's my chapter. That's my life chapter. Wow. So it started as a young boy. I love that. It reminds me of the Psalms that talks about that we should hide God's word in our hearts so that he can use it to encourage us throughout our life. It sounds like this yeah. passage did exactly that for you. Yeah, totally. And I remember in 85 too, when we moved to Canada, that was one of the scriptures that sat with me. Don't be anxious in everything through prayer, present requests to God, and then peace will come. I was 11 years old when we moved to Canada. Oh, that's a hard And age. we only came here for a two-year stint. And being 11 years old, that's an eternity, right? Yeah. Leaving your church, leaving your friends behind. And so for me to move here, even for that two years, that passage of scripture, Philippians 4, really stuck close with me. So it sounded like this passage almost grew up with you. A little bit. Took you through your kid years into your teen years. Yeah. Young adults, did it Did it impact you oh, in your absolutely. young adult years? I'll tell you, in grade 11, I believe it was, taking your driving test. Okay. You leave school. Everyone knows where you're going to take your driving test. And the pressure's on. Make sure you pass that test. I failed the first time. Oh, no. Came back to school. The friends are wondering what happened. Went for the second test. Failed the second test. Oh, Made wow. a small mistake. Okay. Failed that test again. Now the pressure's really on. That scripture again really came to heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, verse 13. But also I can uh, cast my cares on him, right? Yeah. So everything through prayer and supplication, present requests to God. And that peace will be there. So I passed third time. You passed. You can now I, drive. I can drive. You were able to drive. Okay. I can get here here and back and okay. Okay. But, uh, I'm passed. I think of a time too, even later on in life, when I, I was attending Queensway, just as an attendee, uh, my mentor at the time, Pastor Gary Halberg, was a music pastor there. And we had a conversation and he, we kind of figured out that, why don't you come along and just shadow me, he said, for a few months just to see what I do. And I was very interested in his position. Okay. So I did that. I started job shouting him, job shadowing him for a couple of weeks. As a volunteer? As a volunteer, completely okay. a volunteer. Uh, Pastor David Hazard approached me a few weeks after that and said, hey, would you come along, um, come as a part-time staff member as an ass the assistant music pastor? And prayed about it. And I thought, yeah, this is something I would really enjoy. So I took that on um, for a few months and really enjoyed it. It was about six weeks after that happened that my mentor, Gary, he resigned from Queensway. He went back to Omaha, Nebraska and took a position there. David Hazard approached me. He says, uh, would you be interested in taking the music position at Queensway, even for a year or so until we can, we can find somebody? How old were you at this time? So here I am, 23 years wow. old. Here's the choir, Passion Play Productions. I'm thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? I Those are massive productions. Huge. Yeah. I was attending the church eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, and here I am, <laughs> the, the, the fill-in music pastor for a year or so wow. at the church. That scripture really hit home again. Don't be anxious. Pray about it, and God will give you peace. And he sure did. 
Amazing. Well, it sounds like, thank you for sharing how, I love what scripture does, that God just carries it through our lives and uses it to just bring us along. But when I asked you about what your favorite passage was, or that passage that was bookmarked in your Bible, you told me this passage, and then you told me a story about God showing up in your life and doing something incredible, so beyond what you could do on your own. I wonder, could you share that story with us? Yes. This really sits into the Philippians 4.13 verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Back in 2006, uh, we used to take trips every year with the music department. We would spend uh, time in New York City one year at Brooklyn Tabernacle, alternating with going to Pennsylvania to the Sight and Sound theaters. This particular year, in 2006, in June, we were heading down to Pennsylvania, just like every other year. We packed the bus. We had 50 or so people on the bus. Mm-hmm. We headed down to Pennsylvania. We spent three or four days shopping, eating shoe fly pie, taking in the theaters. Uh, great time. On the Friday, we packed the bus and regularly just ready to come home uh, just like we did every other year. We stopped at the Walmart before the highway, did some shopping, and jumped on the bus. So I was sitting right where the stairs come up at the uh, the entrance, on the right side of the bus, okay. right at the front. Andrew and I were sitting side by side, and off we went home. And we're sitting back, relaxing, just ready, looking forward to a, a seven-hour drive back to Toronto. And I remember distinctly, we were coming just before Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I was looking out the front window, because it was that big giant window, watching the lines of the road just come underneath the bus, kind of that mesmerizing feel, right, over and over again. Ready for a nap. Ready for a nap, ready to relax. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing these lines start to head to the left. They're just heading to the left. Comes the second lane, heading to the left. I glance over at the bus driver, and the bus driver at this time is literally slumped over. On that wheel, he's holding the wheel, his head's down, and he's totally out. I look up again, and this must have taken place over literally a few seconds. But we had gone two lanes, and we're now in the median, sliding along that metal guardrail, that three-foot guardrail, right down the side of the bus. And Pennsylvania is hilly. It's not a flat uh, province or state, is it? It's it's very bumpy. So uh, there was a, a, a dip beside us. And in that moment, and I'm not the kind of person to do rash things very quickly, but in that moment, something said in me, go and grab that wheel of the bus. And it was only God. That's all I can explain. It was God, go and grab the wheel. So I took about three steps and I reached over, put my hand around the bus driver because he slumped over and put two hands on the wheel. By this point, we're sliding down that con- the, the metal barrier on the side of the road. Problem is, his foot's on the accelerator. And so we're speeding up a little bit because we're just going down. So I reached in the dark, I found his foot, I kicked it off, and I reached for the brake and brought the bus to a stop while sliding down the side of this barrier. I'm not a bus driver. I don't know where the parking brake is, the air brakes, where to put it in the park. But my assistant at the time, uh, her husband, Scott, was with us on the trip. And he was sitting or probably sleeping by the washroom right at the back. So I yelled for Scott, Scott, you better get down here quick. And by that time, people knew what was going on. There was something happening because we were sliding down the side of the road. He came running down. He fumbled and we found the parking brake and we found the air brakes and we got the bus safely stopped. Now, back then, we didn't have iPhones. We didn't have internet. We could could scan. So what to do? We had a flip phone. We called 911 and uh, we told them the location and they said they'd be on their way. So what do we do at this point in time? We have a bus of 50 people. It's hot. We said, let's go and put the, the triangle signs outside the back, back of the bus down the road. Yeah. So we grabbed the signs, walked down. As we turned around, we saw the 1-800 number for the bus company there. 
we called the number, we spoke to the, uh, the owner, and he arranged eventually to get us back to, uh, to Toronto. Wow. But uh, unfortunately, the bus driver, he had a massive heart attack. They, they came to the conclusion and he passed away oh, wow. right there on the bus. But relating that to the passage, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, I think about it now. That's such a surreal moment, a surreal experience. Even when I replay it in my mind, did I actually do that? Did that really happen? And it, it wasn't what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I believe it was just God. It was a God moment. Go ahead and do that. I can't imagine what would have happened if we'd been at the back and nobody had grabbed that wheel, we could have been tipped over that railing and down the hill. Who knows? But God protected us. So that scripture really, really sits home with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What an incredible story of God showing up in Pastor Stephen's very real life and providing what he needed so that his I can't could be switched into I can. I love how God, this is a great story for us, how God can take scripture that was written thousands of years ago and use it to impact our lives. Hebrews 4 talks about that the Bible is active and alive. This is what it means. It means that the Holy Spirit can take scriptures that were written for the church in Philippi and he can use it to impact our lives. I don't know about you, I've never been in a bus in which I had to save the lives of dozens of people. Uh, But I do know that I've been in situations where I am very tempted to look at the situation in front of me and say, I can't do that. I could do this, but I can't do that. The truth, though, is that because God provides what we need, because God provided for Pastor Stephen what he he needed, he could change his I can't into I can simply because God can. I thought today as we close, I'd invite Pastor Stephen, if he would come up and pray for us so that God might be able to do the same thing in your life that he did for Pastor Stephen. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for this gathering this morning. We thank you, God, for the Bible, this instruction manual that we can, we can look to, Lord, throughout our life. We thank you, God, for Philippians chapter 4, one of these uh, chapters that has just been that bookmark in my life throughout, God. Lord, we thank you that we, we don't have to be anxious about anything. But God, we can turn to you in prayer and receive that peace from you. Thank you, God, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And God, I'm sure there's, there's people in this room today and people joining us online that are maybe going through situations that are seemingly impossible, God. May we focus, may we we turn to this passage in the Bible that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We don't have to worry, but we can turn to you in prayer and receive your peace. So I pray that for anybody who needs that in their life today. And Lord, for all of us, may we, we take the, the message the, as we've unpacked Philippians 4 today and apply it to our lives today and throughout this week. And God, we give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.